1604. Our scripture lesson is pointed out in Luke, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined with the people. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed him, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, If this man was a prophet, would he, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. But Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, Simon said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water to wash my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You, Simon, did not put oil on my head. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she has loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins, they are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this? Who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the Lord, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Sermon on the Mount. 
Previously to chapter 5, Jesus has gone out and he has said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He goes on to say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, which we talked about last week. Humble. Being humble. Getting off of our pedestal. You remember the pedestal? Getting off of our pedestal and allowing ourselves to be humble. Because blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Sense of ownership there. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's easy for us to grab a hold of what it is to mourn, to be brokenhearted. There's situations and circumstances in our lives that we all have faced, have walked through, that can be labeled as brokenhearted. It can be something as simple as your 13-year-old crush when you were in the 7th and 8th grade and you were brokenhearted. We might laugh, but we were all there, all experiencing. Or it could be something that's even more so, something that as you hit the adulthood and life really grabs a hold of you and it rips your heart out of your chest. There's those things as well. It could be something as serious as that. It could be something that you said, an action that you did, something that as we have in the past inventoried our backpacks and we looked at our hurts and our regrets and it's those type of things and we are brokenhearted over those things and we mourn. But what Jesus is teaching here is on the spiritual side of things. All of what I just discussed is physical. Right? Those are things that happen physically. But see, what Jesus is doing is he's, turn, he's kind of turning the tables on us a little bit. Because, and I've mentioned this before, and I'm going to have to jump all the way back to Genesis about the spiritual and the physical. This is something that's really important. Because God, who is spirit, spoke the physical into existence, right? So the spiritual is first. Even after our physical life is over, we still live on spiritually, right? So we have to look and understand the things through a spiritual context. Jesus is talking to these people. Remember, all these people gathered up on this mount, and they're listening to him talk. And he's saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They're like, what is the kingdom of heaven? And how is it in my hand? They're thinking everything physical. They're not used to perceiving the spiritual. So then Jesus gets up on the mountain and he starts talking to them. And he's, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the first thing he says. What is the poor in spirit? And how is it the kingdom of heaven? And how is it mine? That's what they're thinking. They're not used to the, the, the constant talk of spiritual life like we are today. They need to go to church every Sunday. So they are thinking physically. Jesus' next statement is our second beatitude today. Blessed are those who mourn. That word they can grasp. Mourn. They've had family members pass away. They have had hurts and they have pains. And they grabbed mourn. But Jesus said, blessed are those that mourn. I understand what it means to be blessed. 
But how does blessed and mourn go hand in hand? Can you see the confusion? But then Jesus follows it up. He says, because they will be comforted. We read a passage out of Luke this morning that is familiar to me about a lady who party crashes a feast that Jesus was having with dinner at someone else, someone else's house. So it would be awkward if I got invited to Jim and Kathy's house. So our family's there having dinner. Some uninvited person shows up and starts crying at Jim's feet. <clears throat> Awkward. Right? Not only that, she starts pouring perfume on his feet. So that's the situation, and that's what's, that's what's happening in our passage out of Luke. But what is happening is that lady is mourning. It's from a spiritual context that she has run into who she is with all of her sins. And she's run into the one that can save her. And she is broken. She doesn't care where Jesus is. She doesn't care what's going on. She doesn't care who's in the room. Her brokenness puts her past herself. You see, last week we talked about being humble. Right? Getting off of our pedestals and being humble. And you see how the humility moves right into, from a spiritual aspect, being willing to mourn over your sin. And it doesn't matter who's in front. A couple of weeks ago I shared about getting a large tent. Right? 80 feet by 40 feet. Now, I don't think I shared this part. It can be broken up into sections. So we can have a 40 foot by 40 foot tent, or we can have a 60 by 40 foot tent, or we can put all the pieces together and have an 80 by 40 foot tent. All that being said, has anybody ever been to a tent revival? Everybody been to a tent revival? You know what they are? You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> Back in. I'll say the South, where I'm from, and North Carolina and all. They used to throw sawdust down and put up these big tents and have these big signs out. People would drive up and down the streets for having revival, come to the revival town. There is a difference between a revival meeting and a revival. There's a difference. What we read in Luke was a personal Revival. A personal revival. I'm reminded of out of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, Nehemiah had been sent to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And they were putting the walls together, and they had a trial in one hand and a sword in another. Remember, they're fixing the walls, but at the same time, they're looking at defending themselves. Well, in 52 days, they rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem. And after they rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem, Nehemiah gets together with Ezra, who's the high priest. And out of verse 8, it says, When the seventh month and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled 
as one man in the square. They told Ezra, the scribe and high priest, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him, because he was standing above them, and he stood up above, above all the people. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and he read the book of the law. They were instructing the people through the book, this is the day that the Lord your God has made. Do not mourn and weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Now there's something that was happening in their hearts as they were hearing the words of the law that broke them. And their reaction was weeping. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy, enjoy choice food and drinks and send to those who have nothing something that you have prepared. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites, who were the priests at the time, calmed all the people, saying, be still, for this is a sacred day, and do not grieve. When is the last time that we were in an a setting to where someone opened up the Bible and read it and the crowd started crying. This is the morning that Jesus is talking about. You see, he knew what was coming. Now I find it interesting because in Luke chapter 4, remember Simon goes, if this man was a prophet, then he would know this lady. Uh, Simon, he is a prophet and he does know this lady. You know, man, you are getting totally set up. And sure enough, Jesus clearly let Simon know that the reason he was even there was for her. That's a personal revival. You see, Jesus is telling these people on the Sermon on the Mount to humble yourselves. Mourn. Because I know it's coming. So the prophet who did know the lady who came to his feet knew that there was going to come a point in time that people would mourn over their sin. And he gave them a promise that they will be comforted. You know, we talked about in the past, we had the sermon about the backpacks and looking at these different things in our lives and inventorying those things. Those are not hard, those are hard rocks, hard issues to look at and to deal with. And at points will cause your heart to mourn because maybe there's something that you did, something that you said, a season of life that you went through that you have turned your back on who God is to help you walk you through that. And you are sorry for that. And so your heart mourns. The promise is that you will be comforted. Mourning, in the context of what Christ is talking about here, is a very good thing. It is cleansing and it is freeing. But we talk about, and I'll go back to the tent, we talk about revivals. 
And man, does our country need a revival. Right? Man, our country needs a revival. Are you willing not just to be a part of that, but the catalyst for it? Because the revival starts here. Right here. Nobody else. Right here. I've said it before. It's a rock in the pond type of mentality. It's a ripple effect. If I want my family to change, I need to change. Because the rock hits here first. And if I change, then Julie will change. And if she changes, then together our family will change. And it is a ripple effect. If we want revival in our country, if we want revival in our church, if we want revival in our family, if that's your prayer, it starts with you. You. And it's a hard look at your backpack. It's a hard look at what you have sitting on the pedestal. And dealing with it in light of who he is. Let him lead you through it. You see, you're not alone at this. And that's why this woman who was at his feet was amazing to watch her. Because she poured it, literally, the perfume, her tears, her soul, everything. She poured it all out. And he was there to catch her. She was saved. She was forgiven. She was free. Free. And her life changed, and everything else around her as well. Because Jesus spoke to Simon because of her willingness to come off of her own pedestal. Because of her willingness to mourn over who she was and what she had done and how she had broken the laws of the Lord. That created a platform for Christ to speak to others. So it's your sphere of influence is so much greater than you would ever, ever imagine. So much greater than you would ever imagine. One thing that you do has a ripple effect into so many different lives. It's okay to mourn, to ask for forgiveness, to pour out before the Lord because he will comfort you he will it's not all alone don't buy into the lie that you're alone that the enemy wants to separate you off by yourself and hide you off in the corner that as soon as you reveal the wrong as soon as you admit the sin that you're on your own. That's not what the Bible teaches us. And that's not what Jesus tells us. If you mourn over your sin, you will be comforted. You will be restored. You will be free. You will be saved. You will be. You see, Jesus is setting up these people sitting on the mountain. At points, I think he went up to the mountain to get a little alone time, and they decided to follow him, and he's just like, okay, where are you going to go? 
You want to follow me and, and be a part of where I'm at and, and my one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Father? This is what he and I talk about. We talk about the kingdom of heaven. We talk about being humble. We talk about mourning over your sin. We talk about being comforted. Because he is the comforter. And when he went up to heaven, he sent the comforter. This is revival, church. Revival is mourning over our sin and letting the world watch God comfort us and restore us and free us into being everything that he designed us to be. That's why those who mourn are blessed. They're blessed, extraordinarily happy, overjoyful. What is that? How does that come together? It comes together by when you mourn over your sin, then you are free, you are saved, and you have joy in that freedom. And in all of that process, you're comforted. You're comforted. Now, the Greek here, comfort, takes it a step further. We understand console. A child falls down and scrapes their knee. We console them. We comfort them. If someone's hurting, we sit and listen. We may not say one word, but we will listen to what's going on in their hearts and in their lives. In the Greek, this word comfort also means the ability to call upon. So not only is the Spirit of God going to come in and comfort you and wrap His arms around you, but it's, this is giving you permission to call out to Him. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall have the ability to call upon me, and I will comfort them. That's what it's saying. So does that make a little bit more sense when the previous verse says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the ownership part. And you see the ownership part of theirs is the kingdom of heaven at the end of that first verse ties into, you can call upon me and I will comfort you. That's relationship. I will comfort my children. They are part of my kingdom. My family. They can call upon me and I will Comfort them. Am I right, parents? Your child will call upon you and you will comfort them because they are yours. They have been given into your family. This is what Jesus is teaching these people. And they're hearing it all for the first time. Call upon him and he will comfort you in the middle of your pouring out of your sin, your wrongdoing, the hurts that you have done, the things that you have said, and he will comfort you. Blessed are those who mourn, who allow their hearts to pour out, and they shall be comforted. Church, it's a wonderful promise. It is a wonderful promise. But this is what Jesus is talking. He is, he is setting these people up for a worldwide revival. And that's what he's doing here.
We are getting set up. Take that however you want. But we're getting set up. And that means we need to come into alignment. So there's some things that we need to get right. There are some things that we need to mourn over. Some things we need to be saved from and be positioned for so that he can comfort those whom he loves. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, we are so thankful for your loving kindness and we're thankful for your blessing. Father, I just pray. God, I pray that you put your hand on each one of us here in this room today. Father, I pray for healing. I pray for stability of heart and mind. Father, I pray that you reveal to us what it is that we need to bring to you. What it is that we need to pour out at your feet. Father, what are those things that we should weep over and mourn over? And Father, give us the strength to do it. Father, even Nehemiah shared, as the people wept over hearing your word, that the joy of you is our strength. And Father, I just I pray that you strengthen us to walk this path that's before us. Submit and surrender and pour out before you. And Father, thank you for your comfort, thank you for your healing, and thank you for your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are able, please stand and turn to the red hymnals to page 397. I need the ever, every hour. We'll do verses 1, 3, and 5. <laughs> Thank you. 